Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is September the 18th, the Sunday, 2022. We've done a number of shows recently on cities, and in particular, the great city of Berlin. Uh, did a show uh, on Berlin with uh, Bill Mackay, who's the author of a nonfiction book about Berlin, and also um, uh, a number of spy novels about Berlin, including one with Daniel Fesperman, uh, Secrecy and Lies, thinking about Berlin as a place uh, caught between East and West, uh, according to Bill Mackay, the city of the 20th century. Uh, today we're talking about Berlin, but I think in a slightly different context, a city of memories, but not just a European city, perhaps a global city, and perhaps even in an odd kind of way, an Asian city. Uh, my guest today is Amit Chaudhuri. He's a very distinguished um, Anglo-Indian novelist, uh, teaches in England, born in India, writes with very much of an Indian focus. And he has a new book out called Sojourn, which is a, a slim novel, uh, which many critics of suggested is a classic Chidori, uh, uh, one of his masterpieces, one of his small masterpieces on memory and forgetting in uh, Berlin. Uh, Amit is joining us. Uh, you're in Northampton, right, at the moment? Yes. Yeah, right. Not quite Berlin, uh, Amit, right? Not quite. No, no. <laughs> typical American small town, but distinguished by the fact that it has Smith College over here. So it's more than just the main street and, you know, some by lanes yeah so tell me a little bit about this new novel you wrote a book about calcutta uh but i'm not sure you've ever written a book specifically about a european city why did you choose to 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 to, to write sojourn which is a novel in very many ways with its central character being berlin itself right Andrew, I'm going to uh, just interrupt you to say that your voice levels are changing and have been changing throughout. I hope that doesn't matter. I hope it doesn't, but uh, we'll see when we get to the recording. I mean, maybe that's because I'm talking to you. Yeah, maybe. Uh, so so <clears throat> now, why did I write about Berlin? Um, partly because um, I, I I went to Berlin myself in 2004 and was very struck by the city. And, and then I went to it again. Pure coincidence, the following year, for, uh, and stayed there for six months, I was uh, invited to be Samuel, something called Samuel, the Samuel Fisher guest professor over the autumn term. It was a kind of, um, it's a professorship um, through which the, the kind of, uh, invite international writers, artists, filmmakers to the city. And it's a professorship um, that's sponsored by the Free University, the German Academic Exchange, and Samuel Fischer being a kind of well-known pub German publisher. Um, when I first went there in 2004, I mean, that was my first time in Berlin. And I was, I was very struck by the city uh, and its kind of awareness of its own history, its melancholy awareness of its history, which was kind of um, embedded in its spaces, in its surroundings, sometimes literally so in the sense that there were 
these uh, metal plaques embedded in the paving stones, which you were meant not to really see, but to notice which kind, which commemorated or referred to people who had been deported from adjoining buildings or from that neighborhood. I was, I was struck by the fact that history was so much um, with this city, but more powerfully so because it seemed that the city had to remember its own history, but could never really mourn it uh, because it had been on the wrong side of that history. Uh, it it wasn't allowed to mourn for its own mourn its own trauma, as it were, um, and this made this made for a very kind of ambiguous but powerful uh, presence in the city. And the, I, I was first and foremost struck by that. Um, it seemed miles away from. The Indian or the English, just to take two kind of categories, a random uh, relationship to history. Uh, um, I mean, is, is this particularly German? You think this inability to to mourn one's own past? One of the the, the central character in the book, uh, an Indian academic, has come, I think, to study and a Japanese academic, Kenzaburo Oe, who. Ooh course is a very political Japanese writer I'm not sure how much time you've spent in Japan none you, I've never been there but um but I, I, I'm guessing you you gave some thought to, to adding uh, OE in the book um do you think you'd find the same in Japan this inability to mourn one's past it's very well well kind of spotted uh, I hadn't thought about that but I have written about um the Japanese inability to mourn uh, the, the the inability to mourn when you're on the wrong side of history uh, and and like 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 germany japan after the second world war found itself in the wrong side of history uh, and maybe uh, maybe it was already maybe it already felt itself to be on the wrong side of history in the way it couldn't completely um distance itself from its past in the way that let's say india had distanced itself from its past um and and um the past kind of continued into the present even in the 20s and 30s for japan so it, it put its history in a in a kind of ambiguous zone and that i think makes for a more productive kind of historical imagination among writers and artists than um, countries which have an easy relationship with their history, which they can kind of define as their past, whether there are glorious bits to it or other bits to it, which they feel complacently they've left behind and they've developed from into something else. Um, that makes for a kind of novel, which I think becomes the historical novel where you are really looking at the past as something that's over and kind of putting it together and 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 mastering it in a sense creating a kind of masterful picture of what you think is the past but if the past is ambiguous then it continues to be with you it cannot be mastered it cannot be really represented and put together it's kind of a haunting in a, in a certain sense uh, you encounter it from moment to moment 
And I think you find that maybe more in Japanese novels, in German films, than you do in, let's say, the Indian or the English historical novel. It's interesting that you bring up film, um, uh, Ami. Um, Berlin is also a place that attracts filmmakers, uh, sort of in the way that I don't know, bees are attracted to honey. That the great Wenders film, for example, Wings of Desire, is one of the, for me at least, the most memorable films about any city, let alone Berlin. And of course, we have all the classic spy novel films, the, the Le Carre spy who came in from the cold. I think the film is better in some ways than equal to the book. Um, when you were writing this book, were you thinking cinematically? I mean, you're... And, 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 and don't take this critically. I mean, you, most critics think of you as a minimalist writer. Can one write minimalistically and also cinematically? Um, uh, well, I mean, to, you, I think there are a couple of questions there. Was I thinking cinematically when I um, wrote the book? Uh, um, it, it, I've, I've always kind of had cinema in mind, though I don't think in terms of cinema when I write something. But there was a time when I thought I might, before I wrote my first novel, when I thought I might go to the Pune Film Institute to study direction. Uh, so there was a kind of moment after I finished or I was about to finish um, graduating from University College London in in 19 in the uh, in the 80s that I considered becoming a film director. And that's because I think some of my um, idea of what narrative could be and what 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 what, um, what art could be was transformed by cinema. Um, um can can minimalistic writing be cinematic? Well, I think the best cinema is the 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 result of editing. So you take you capture a lot of footage, and you you keep the the the, the best directors keep what's most alive to them, and then create the illusion of a sequence, which then becomes the film. Um, this is the basis on which I work. Which uh, which directors are you thinking of in particular when you say the best directors? <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, um, uh, oof. Uh, 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 you mentioned Wim Wenders. Uh, 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 there's Satyajit, Satyajit Ray. There's uh, yeah. Kurostami. You know, there's there's uh, Ozu. Um, uh, there are the there Japanese, are... Uh, obviously, of course. Yes, Ozu, uh, Kurosawa. Um, Kurosawa's kind of uh, uh, films uh, uh, based on Shakespeare are again a uh, wonderful because they have this kind of ambiguous. They, they come from a culture that has an ambiguous sense of history, and so they're they're, they're very poetic kind of translations of uh, Shakespeare. So, but these are some of the filmmakers, but there are many others also more commercial, so-called commercial filmmakers whom I admire uh, from both Hindi cinema and from Hollywood. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. It's interesting that um, you bring up uh, Indian filmmaking, uh, and that you 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 confessed that at one point in your career you considered being a filmmaker. You've of course made a great career as a writer, but also as a as a as a musician. Um, in looking through the reviews of the book, the Hindu Stan Times, for example 
uh, described your prose in it as having the soulful lilt of a raga. Um, is there a musical quality or were you aiming for a musical quality in this book? Of course, Berlin is also a deeply musical city, or at least the history with a, a, a complicated musical history, a musical past. I like the idea of Berlin being a musical city. Um, you know, I've been asked this question uh, right from the beginning of my life as a published novelist. Um, and uh, I, I think that there is possibly some some merit to to the idea that the works are in some sense musical because they are not driven by realism or or plot they are driven by some other idea of movement uh, and and um transformation within a kind of space of time i think music as listeners and maybe as performers we get we are transformed within a particular duration by our exposure to a performance or recital or by performing and this transformation cannot be accounted for in in narrative terms um so th in that sense it could be musical i haven't thought about it but lately i have begun kind of pursuing a particular line of thought in connection with my links to my other self as a musician when i'm writing because certainly uh, there is no conscious kind of link in my head when i'm writing to my musician self uh, i completely forget i'm a musician when i'm writing when i'm when i'm when you go to your website um you have this uh by if if it's the right word a, a by a bifurcated chidori half the page is chidori the writer half the page is chidori the musician so right. i guess it goes both ways right absolutely so when i'm a musician i'm not really always aware or seldom aware uh, that that I'm a writer, and maybe it it could be a trifurcation. There could be further kind of, um, you know, uh, bits of myself, none completely aware of the other. Um, but one thing that I have thought about in the last two years or three years is the fact that in Indian classical, North Indian classical music, especially in the genre called khayal which is the dominant genre for vocalists who sing North Indian classical music, uh, what we generally call elaboration or improvisation in with a rag is also nothing but evasion. So you are exploring phrases um, in a rag, but delaying uh, as much as you can um, the, the character, immediately presenting what might be a characteristic phrase that marks out a rag for, for being that particular rag, you circle around it, you do delineate it, but you also avoid fully, uh, um, immediately um, presenting it. Uh, and that, that evasion is elaboration and improvisation in North Indian classical music. It's no different from deferral is what improvisation is uh, i would say for my writing as well deferral is an important part of what i'm doing i'm improvising i'm not coming to the point uh, i i want the the reader maybe to sense the point 
but to also sense the pleasure of evading it. Yeah, it's, I don't want to get all dirty on you, uh, Amit, but there's some something sexual about that. Um, <laughs> um, in terms of this evasiveness, you're suggesting then that you are a consciously, perhaps an intentionally evasive writer. Is that because you're covering yourself up, your ideas? The no. Guardian review of your book suggested, for example, uh, and this wasn't a criticism, it was just an observation about your work, because it was a very positive review, that, that you never tackle politics, for example, head on, that you're always evasive in that way. Are there always layers to your book? I don't tackle anything head on, Andrew. You in know, your life either? Uh, I don't have enough self-knowledge to, 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 to comment on that. You know, possibly I'm tackling things head on and think I don't or possibly vice versa, you know. So I, I, this is something I cannot answer. I, I, I have thought more about my writing than my life. Um, so I, I would say that I don't tackle anything head on because that's my policy. I don't want to give. I think it's a it's it's a it's a it's a sociological and possibly an enlightenment idea that, you know, there are certain things which need to be given center stage and other things which need to be in the background to serve as accessories to the main protagonist, which uh, which is going to take center stage. I don't believe in that. I don't believe there are any accessories in either the world uh, I don't, or in, in a narrative. I don't think the human being is center stage. Objects are equally of interest. Streets are of interest. Streets are not of interest simply because they illuminate something about the central narrative, which is about the protagonist, but because they're of interest themselves. You know, objects are interesting in themselves they're not there to illustrate somebody's life so in in that sense whether it's politics whether it's uh, uh, the story of a particular character or a, a kind of entry into a room or a view from a window everything takes uh, has equal weight for me my my attention is shifting from one to the other from moment to moment and that is what is interesting to me uh, and alive that is synonymous to me for with consciousness and life and then in a sense you're you're the eye of the camera continually roving right right i like isherwood's book on berlin very very much i have to say i mean it, it had receded from my memory but now that you mention it uh uh it's 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 a great book and again maybe does some justice to the idea that berlin is a musical city do you think then i mean in a way that berlin isn't really the star of the book that you use Berlin, you hold it up, but the real story about Sojourn or the real narrative in Sojourn isn't really about Berlin because many people have come to Berlin and written about a city which hasn't been able to come to terms with its own catastrophically tragic and evil past. But you're coming in it wearing other garbs, other hats, aren't you, in this book? Can you tell me what, what you have in mind? Um, well, you're coming as an Anglo-Indian writer with a different, uh, a, not a an different bag writer, of concerns. And the characters uh, in your book are, are not German, they're Indian. Right. Uh, maybe not an Anglo-Indian writer, an Indian who writes in English, although I know that's a very clunky... Okay, definition. no, that's an important... And I, I didn't mean... The last thing I want to do, and, and you're not, you're you're very good at evading pig, being pigeonholed. I, I didn't want to suggest that you are an Anglo. I just that's the only 
term I could think of. So it's good that you sure. correct me. No, no, that's, that, that's fine. Um, uh, so, um, no, no, I'm not, a, I'm not the kind who sort of uh, takes offense at kind of labels and things like that. Um, I just, just thought I'd, I'd tweak it a little bit, I'd clarify. Um, but the fact that the, the central, the, uh, who is, who or what is the central character, but the fact that the protagonist is Indian is, you know, th that's just meant to be a point of reference. It's not meant to be uh, a, a, a kind of a fact that informs the story. It's not a story about an Indian in Berlin. This is one thing I didn't want it to be. Uh, a while at the same time, I wanted to talk about a shared history, which India shares as well, uh, which is the history of what in America maybe is called the Cold War or in the West is called the Cold War. Uh, uh, and which basically means that the, the that it, there was a period in history which we, uh, to which we all belonged. Uh, um, the Cold War kind of dates it from the end of the Second World War, but even before the Second World War, we one could say that our, our, our histories have been shaped by these alternatives to do with the free market, capitalism on the one hand, and socialism on the other, and you know. Um, we we never thought a time would come when these allocations, these demarcations would fall away and all we'd be left with is the free market. And when the Berlin Wall fell, this is the world that came into existence. We never thought, we never expected this world. It's not just Berlin. No one did. No, it's not just people in Berlin. No one expected that that continuum would end. Once that continuum end, uh, something within us kind of lost its outlines and we were forced to take part in one kind of celebration, which is what globalization is. And, and, and many of us felt, I think, inwardly lost. And the, and the book is trying to access what, 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 what that lostness is and what existed before it. And Berlin, uh, uh, um, embodies both. It both embodies the world that came into existence after the wall fell, but it also embodies a, a living memory of, uh, of what that eternity was like when, when the Cold War was happening or everything that preceded it. And that, that the narrator finds extremely familiar because that's the world he's come from. So home as India or some other countries, only one idea, one limited idea of what home is. Home is also that period in history to which we all belonged. Uh, and, and that kind of confounds the kind of divisions of European, non-European, because our modernities have been shaped similarly. We've been on one side or the other, or been sort of positioned uh, uh, in relationship to one side or the other, all of us from different parts of the world and have been formed by that world. And this is what the book is kind of, that's a subtext of the book. Does that mean that you or the character in the book are nostalgic for the certainties of the past, which is ironic given the ambiguity and ambivalence of, of Berlin as a, as a great city, um, that you or the, the central character in the book are looking back to the the late Cold War or the Cold War age, no, wanting that 
moral certainty of capitalism versus socialism? No. Um, if if that had been the case, it would have been a very different kind of novel, or it would have been, you know, a particular sort of opinion piece. Uh, th th this novel won't admit of that sort of no nostalgia. We are talking here about living presences, including the idea of this continuum I'm talking about. It is a living presence. It it isn't encountered as the past. It it is it returns. It is encountered again. Um, so. No, he's not kind of looking back to the certainties of the past. There is no sense of the past. It is only the present. It's funny, you think about this now, um, Ami. Berlin is a city of the past, or at least Germany is a country of the past. It seems to be the one remnant of the pre-Cold War age. You're a prominent critic of Modi. There's obviously Trump in America. We're living in a post-Cold War age of authoritarianism and nationalism, and yet that doesn't seem to be the case in contemporary Germany. It's odd, isn't it? You mean its politics belong, is out of sync with the time? Is that what you're saying? Well, that it's, it, its politics is the politics of, of the past, uh, for better or worse. Whereas I, um, uh, the, the, the politics, and I, and I bring up Modi because you're, you're You've written a number of pieces I was reading in preparation for this, quite critical of him, uh, Trump, uh, Bolsonaro, and so on. No, Putin, Erdogan, uh, uh, they're a new breed of neo-authoritarian leaders who seem to be existing in the post-Cold War age, who are redefining the 21st century. Um, uh, do you, do you think in that sense, then, Germany or contemporary Germany today is a throwback to a past that no longer really exists outside Germany? I don't know enough about Germany to make a comment on that. Uh, but uh, if that is true to even to a small extent, it just one of the reasons might be that Germany's uh, uh, ambiguous sense of its history um, and Germany's the, the 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 middle class, the liberal intelligentsia's ambiguous sense of its own past, in comparison to uh, the 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 more complacent sense of what's right and wrong in some of these other countries you've mentioned, among not just the right but the liberal intelligentsia, uh, that ambiguity in Germany may have saved it slightly from from these from the rise of particular kinds of you know constituencies and politicians part of the reason for the rise of those politicians and 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 parties and and forms of governance and visions in these other countries has to do with the 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 bankruptcy of of the liberal intelligentsia in the age of globalization in these countries. It has kind of failed to uh, in inherit uh, the, the kind of um, authenticity that its forebears did. Um, and, and, and therefore it has kind of imploded and led to the rise of the right uh, in, in a sort of madness. Um, maybe Germany has been through that, I don't know, but Right now, 
if if it is kind of avoiding that that particular trajectory, it may have to do with the fact that its liberal intelligence has never been quite as complacent as its counterparts in other countries because it has been on the wrong side of history. I How do you write about this world, this world, Amy, do you think? Um, is it in the form that you write in Sojourn about this, this new post-Cold War world? As a novelist, how do you write about it? How do you confront it? Uh, by, by allowing oneself to have uh, complex thoughts which one kind of explores through a series of encounters rather than take them as givens, rather than have a story, let's say, about a man confronting the Cold War past or wanting to be uh, absorbed into Berlin, to allow these things to be part of lived experience and therefore already more complex than any ideas can be, um, but not through conventional realism because that that itself is couched in ideas and and universals to to kind of create something more open-ended and poetic which is still a form of thinking of thought uh, this novel well I, I don't want to make any claims about this novel N novels uh, can be ways of thinking complex ways of thinking about ideas rather than contain ideas or rather than be informed by ideas but they but they approach thinking very much on their own terms you use the word realism um are you suggesting that a, a, a novelist a realist novelist um is is not able to write about our world today. What does it require? What, magic realism? What other words would one well, use? Magic realism and realism for me are interchangeable because they both follow the grammar of narrative. I often say that, you know, it, it, with realism, well, let's say, what well, one of the things with realism is continuity. So I think it was, I've heard somewhere, I haven't been able to trace that quote, uh, that Nabokov said, in a novel, you have inner coordinates. You cannot, uh, you, you cannot introduce an uncle with a limp on page 26 and then have him disappear for the rest of the novel. He must then turn up uh, on page 78 and page 125 or whatever. Uh, the, 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 the uncle with the limp is one of the various inner coordinates of the narrative. You know, uh, in a poem, maybe you could mention something in a, in, in a first line and then forget about it. Uh, uh, but, but the novel kind of works according to a grammar of development in which you cannot in introduce things randomly. Uh, um, this is the kind of realist novel that we're talking about. Ma magic realism uh, kind of behaves in very much the same way, except that it kind of, um, it, it it replaces the uncle with a limp with a flying elephant. You know, the yeah. flying elephant occurs in the, in the, in the, uh, on page five. And then again, on page 75, there's the flying elephant again, you know, but it, it's, it's completely realist, except this talking about a fantastical world, but the grammar, of magic, most magic realist novels, or, or many magic realist novels, is the same grammar as the grammar of realism. But 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 with poetry, we are talking about details, which are brought together in a different way. Not following this particular the rules of this particular grammar. They 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 they, they have a different purpose. So um, 
So could we use the term post-realism? What term would you use? Um, I I would just say, I would just talk about a, a kind of anti-humanist, and, and this might sound excessive, but you put me in a uh, in a corner and and and, uh, and I, I'm just kind of searching and I, I'm kind of sharing things with you which I wouldn't with, with you know on 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 an, uh, another occasion I mean uh, anti-humanist anti-enlightenment forms of talking about reality and that's but but just to be clear I mean you're saying that's the way to make sense of the world in an anti-humanist anti-enlightenment manner is that what you're saying? Anti-humanist, anti-enlightenment way of uh, of writing about reality. Is that a form? I mean, you're talking about realism or magic realism as a form. Is there such a form as anti-humanism or anti-enlightenment? It's a, it's a kind of thought which manifests itself, let's say, uh, with, with 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 Wordsworth in Tintern Abbey or with Virginia Woolf. They're all writing about reality but not in the way that realism asks us to think of reality. So, so are there writers in this anti-humanist, anti-enlightenment tradition, contemporary writers around today that you would suggest people look at in addition? I mean, do you consider yourself part of that tradition, by the way? I mean, I, I would think- Would you like to be part of the tradition? I mean, I, I think where I'm coming from has, affinities and con continuities with this what i'm calling a tradition over here which begins long back well before wordsworth in 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 all kinds of texts and not just many of them come from india uh, so um i'm i'm what i'm uh, let, let's say quite simply i'm speaking about the poetic or or poetry but not poetry as this kind of uh, marked out by a form which has stanzas and rhymes or, or or any other markers, talking about a particular way of thinking, which I think is what poetry is. Uh, and 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 yeah, I I would I would put myself um, in that line. I think yeah. And, and who that... else is? Um, you know, it's funny. It's it's making sense of a world that's in the process of emerging. It's sort of. And I'm using this word carefully because I know you're not a big fan of realism, but it's almost catching up with reality, right, as a writer. What is? This manner of writing, of describing the world. Um, it's, it's yeah, it's, uh, if you mean it's kind of part of a process which doesn't make a huge kind of distinction between, uh, you know, imagining writing living it doesn't behave in the same manner in which we imagine novels work that is there is life outside and then we write about it in a fictional form if it doesn't follow that model yes then it is catching up with reality in terms of tech there's a new tech. I'm, i know you're not a tech guy but uh, there's quantum computing and maybe we could think of this which doesn't work according to the same rules as traditional computing Maybe we could talk about it as quantum literature or quantum. Fantastic. Um, that's just a, a throwaway remark. Uh, uh, f finally, Amit, and I appreciate your honesty here. Um, who else should we be reading there in this, shall we say, and this is again my term, uh, post-realist age, in addition to yourself? Um, we can go back to Wolf and, and, and Wordsworth, but what contemporary writers do you think are relevant today? 
post-realism. I mean, I would say there's there's been post-realism well before realism. I mean, you know, I mean, it goes back right. No, I, I take your point, but who's who, who's relevant today? Who do you think is 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 writing about the world that exists rather than a world that had existed? Well put and well formulated. Uh, 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 among writers today, oh God, you've put again. I mean, I, I um, I'm not that well read. I would, I would be able you, to come well, up if with. You're not well read. I mean, nobody's well read. I'm sure you're as well read as anybody. Not as well read in the writing that's come out in the last maybe ten or fifteen years, but uh, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Actually, there are there are kind of writers who Have are. Have you read anything recently that? You thought, wow, these people are really making sense of the world that that the realists can't, or the magic realists can't. Is it oh, a younger generation? Is it a generational no, I mean, thing? I mean, I mean, uh, uh, Indian writers uh, like um, Shoykot Mojumdar, uh, um, Shumana Roy, An Anjali Joseph, uh, and 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 I'm trying to think of others. Um, and um, it's, so, so some of them are novelists, some are poets. The, among the people people I mentioned, uh, th there are filmmakers, Achal Mishra, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure there's a lot going on in cinema uh, and in art as well. I don't want to make a demarcation bet between, you know, the novel, poetry, cinema. I, I'm looking at this as a tradition that kind of belongs to different genres. Uh, um, and as far as people who write in the UK, um, my, my my mind's gone blank. I know there are there are there are wonderful people uh, who are uh, testing um, this this particular kind of thinking, uh, adopting it, uh, extending it. But I I would need to give it a bit more thought. 